Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, so grab your notes, and we're going to continue. We've got a lot of stuff that I want to walk us through today, some great content. Here's the thing, um, challenging content today. Anybody want to be challenged? Uh, Come on. All right, four of us. All right, awesome. I'm feeling it. All right. And uh, we are in the book of James, and here's what we'll do. A couple times throughout the year, we will um, just go through a book in the Bible, And what we'll do is we'll open the book and we'll learn from it and we'll study its context both in the original time and what it means for us now. It's one of our favorite ways to preach and we do it at least once in the summer. So here we are in the summer going through the book of James and uh, James, as I've been saying this, James is what's known as a general epistle. Say it with me, general epistle, which means this, this was not a word for a specific group of people back in the day or a specific audience audience, it was general in terms of it was for everybody, all of us. So there's a particular word for all of us in James' letter. The word epistle means letter. We think historically that James wrote this around AD 45. And this would have been five years before a really important, significant moment in the history of the early church called the Council of Jerusalem or the Jerusalem Council, which we think happened historically around AD 50. Here's why that's important for us. If you're here today and you don't have a Jewish family line, if you're here today and you're a Gentile, that'd probably be many of us in the room, maybe most of us uh, in the room, the Jerusalem Council is when we got officially invited to the party of Christianity. We got invited in at the Jerusalem Council, and a big proponent of the uh, Jerusalem Council was James, the half-brother of Jesus, a big leader in the Jerusalem church. And here's the thing I want to say on the upfront. It's easy to get confused because if you ever notice when you read, uh, particularly in the New Testament, there's a lot of similar names, a lot of the same names. There's a lot of Jameses. Come on now. There's a lot of Johnses. There's a lot of Marys, a lot of Joseph. So I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, I want to help you understand. So if you read the New Testament from the beginning to the end, here's what I want you to know. There's four Jameses. Say that with me. Great. That you're going to run across. Now, now here's the thing. And just, I did this this week. I wrote this down. I want you to know, honest. I wrote this down and then I reached out to a friend of mine, which is Dr. Ben Witherington, who is one of the premier New Testament scholars and historians on the planet. And I reached out to him and I sent it and I said, this is what I'm going to say Sunday. Am I right? He texted me right back and he said, you're right. So are you proud of me? Yeah. And then, of course, he said, you've always been one of the smartest people I've ever known. (laughs) He didn't really say that. But so, so, all right, for James, there's James, the father of Judas. And um, that's not uh, who Judas, one of the apostles, but not Judas Iscariot, not that one, the other Judas, okay? Then there's James, son of Alphaeus who was sometimes referred to as James the Less. 
And they think he was James the Less because he was younger, as in less years. Then there's um, James, the brother of John the Apostle, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, who is sometimes with James and John referred to in the Bible as the sons of thunder, okay? And then there's James, the brother of Jesus. Does that all make sense now? Is that clear? How many of y'all remember a show? It was, was it the Bob Newhart show? This is Larry and my brother Daryl and my other brother Daryl. Kind of like that, right? All these different James. Or, or how many of y'all remember like in, in Big Fat Greek Wedding? How many of you seen that movie? Remember, remember this, I'll show you this right here. Remember when um, the, 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 the parents of the groom were coming to meet the Portocalis family? And, 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 and Nick is introducing the Portocalis family. He goes, and this is my brother and his kids, Anita, Diane, and Nick, and Anita, Diane, and Nick, and Anita. Okay, you get it. All right, never mind. That's kind of where we are. So James is one of the most practical books in the New Testament. And we have been, our goal has been, we've been opening up a chapter at a time. And uh, if you were with us first, we looked at James 1, of course, and we looked at the idea of hearing and doing. And James 1.22 says, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. Put the word into practice. And we talked about, we get all fired up about stuff, but we don't always follow up. If you were with us last week, we talked about faith and works. And I unearthed for you one of, the, one of the big historical controversies of early Christianity that every now and again makes an appearance. Are we saved by faith in Christ alone or are we saved by the works that we do for Jesus? And uh, there's a big country, uh, controversy about that, a lot of tension around that. And here's where we settled. This is where our church lands. Our church lands on a phrase that we would say this way. We, we would say that our works don't justify us, which means makes us right before God. Our works authenticate we have been made right. So every now and again, here's what we have to do. I think, look over your life. Do, 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 do the things that you do in your life, do the things you don't do in your life, do the things you uh, uh, agree to and aspire toward in your life, do they point to the idea that you're a follower of Jesus? And here's what we challenged last week. I offered a challenging word. I said to those of us who are in the room, you know, this is, this is important. Don't go light on this because sometimes, right, what happens in here, this is beautiful and dangerous because we can be led to believe this is all there is. Like I come Sunday, I check the box and I leave. And, and I was thinking about this because Paul, Paul wrote a word. I love it in the message translations, Romans chapter 12, verse one. Paul says this, here's what I want you to do. This is for all of us. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and place it before God, look, as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Or, or I think of it this way. I remember a time when King David uh, was uh, commissioned to build the temple where God's presence, where the Ark of the Covenant was going to rest. And, and these people came. They heard that David was going to do it. And they came to David and they said, hey, we want to give you the land. We just want to give you the land to build the temple. And, and there's this very challenging verse I want to show it to you. It's second. 
uh, Samuel 24, 24, and King David said this, he, he didn't take the gift and he said, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Don't give God the leftovers. Let's all figure out, right, how we bring our best selves to a God who sacrificed everything for us and let's live lives that matter for him. So if you've been with us, James 1, James 2. Now, I want to just prepare you. We're going to go over to James 3 and I want to read to you 12 verses out of James 3, which um, I just need to be honest with you up front. This This is a challenge for every one of us in the room. James is going to get in our business, okay? He's going to get in our business. And I want to go to James chapter 3, and we're going to read the first 12 verses of James chapter 3. Now, at Community of Hope, we have a habit uh, of standing when we read God's word as a way to honor that we're not here to hear my words, we're here to hear God's word. So let's stand. Praise God. And we are going to read James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. All right, here we go. James writes, Now, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's an ouch for me. Okay. We all stumble in many ways, and anyone, uh, uh, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take uh, ships as an example, that although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. And likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. So consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And the tongue is also a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Is there any idea that we're confused about what James thinks, right? He says, all kinds of animals, birds, and reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being seems to be able to tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. And my brothers and sisters, this should not be. For can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Wow, Lord, this is a moment really when um, I think we just need to pause, bring ourselves before you. And ask, God, that you might give us uh, extra sensitivity to listen closely to these words. And, Lord, that you 
by the power of your Holy Spirit would be our teacher in this space. God, I, I need to, to learn what we're talking about today. All of us need that. So Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to open ourselves to your teaching and to make the adjustments necessary. For we pray in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Wow, right? I told you, James is going to get in our business. Um, the tongue, four inches long. Uh, on the surface of the tongue are 10,000 taste buds that, that your body replaces every two weeks. So moms, if you're here today and your kids won't eat broccoli, hang on, because they'll be eating sushi before too long, okay? Uh, those 10,000 uh, taste buds give us the ability to decipher between savory and salt and sweet and sour and bitter, five different tastes. And um, it is thought of in the medical world to be an internal organ, which means and is why when we go to the doctor often, the doctor will say, stick out your tongue and say what? Ah. And that is an indicator of what's happening in your body. And James' word is a super challenging word for us. How many of you would self-identify, okay, that you've ever said something you wish you hadn't said? Some of you should. Okay. I remember one time when I was in adolescence, I have to say adolescence because, you know, there's that brief period of time when they say when adolescence, their brain is not working. That's what they say, and it, as it should. And I can remember my dad came to me for something. I have this real strong memory of this. And he was telling me something that it probably had messed up. And when he got through, he said something very obvious. And I looked at my dad. I cannot even believe I'm telling you this. And I looked at my dad. And when he got through talking, I said, well, duh. <laughs> and that went about as well as you might have thought that, that would have gone. Uh, all of us have probably said something that we wish we hadn't have said. All of us have received words that we wish we hadn't received. And this is the tension that James is writing about. And when I look at uh, James' uh, teaching in these 12 verses, I think there are, quite honestly, I think there are three very powerful truths that James uh, offers to us as a challenge. Last week's message was there, there was a historical angle that if we're really going to understand James 2, we have to understand the historical angle. When we get to James chapter 3, it's just straight across the table, straight truth, straight observations that we need to know. And the first one is this. I think James teaches us that our tongue actually directs where we go. 
If there was ever a time and ever an age, I think, in human history, uh, we are living in that space right now, that what we say, what we say, the words we use, and when we say and use those words can frankly alter the very direction of our lives. Um, I've said this before, quick history, when, when, uh, when I look at those who study this kind of thing, they tell us this, that on, ha- on average, on average, most of us will speak today between seven and 10,000 words in a day. I have a Christian author who says it this way. Most of us speak 10,000 words a day with gusts up to 15 or 20,000 words. And it's usually in those gusts, right, that, that the, the challenge uh, starts to happen. And um, what we say in that space, quite honestly, can alter the direction of our lives. And this is the idea that I think James is pointing to. He, he talks, first of all, uh, if you're taking notes, look at what he says in verses three and four. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they're large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. And he uses this imagery, we would say, of horses. And we have a picture there of a horse or, uh, or of ships. And comparatively speaking, the, the bit in a horse's mouth or the rudder of a ship is small comparatively to it leading the direction of where it wants to go. This is the idea that James wants us to understand. This is super important to me and super important for us to understand. I, 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 we all know what it feels like. I, I, uh, I've shared before, I have a covenant group. I'll show you a picture of these guys here. Here we are. Here, this is the picture I like to show. Here's our most recent gathering. It, 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 it's this gathering right here. <laughs> I always show that in case anybody are watching. We're just getting so old, you know. Been together now 36 years. But um, here's the interesting thing. A story I like to tell. I told our church a long, long time ago is that uh, one time we were taking our retreat, uh, our, our covenant spiritual retreat down in the Keys. And uh, one of my friends brought with him a couple of jet skis that he... Uh, borrowed that we were going to use when we got down to the water. And, and on the afternoon, we got through with all, doing our spiritual work and prayed for one another. We went down, and we were in Isla Morada, and we went over to the water, and the water was beautiful. It went a cloud in the sky. And we got there, and we, uh, we, you know, we put the, the, the jet skis out in the water, and we realized we didn't have the, um, the life preservers. And it's illegal to ride a jet ski without a life preserver. And so one of my friends left to go get the life preservers. So here I want you to get the scene. We are here, six of us now, and we're in knee-deep water. The water's beautiful colors, not a cloud in the sky. The jet skis are here, and, and we're just waiting for him to get back. It's hot. And finally, one of my friends says, hey, why don't we just take one of, one of, one of us, why don't we just, we could take some real quick trips no one will ever know. And I remember saying, I said, the minute I get on this jet ski and I ride out into that inlet, the police show up. It's going to be a thing. I get caught every time. And so one by one, the guys did it. You need to know your pastor was the big holdout. I was, I was holding out until the very last. And I said, well, you know what? You guys didn't get caught. I, I'll just do it real quick. 
So I jumped on there, and what do you think happened? The minute I pull out in the aisle, here come two officers from opposite directions. They get out of their car. They go, get in here. And I was thinking, do I run for my life? <laughs> and I come pulling in, and I'm going to tell you, as the Lord is my witness, it's the only time I've ever said this, I pulled the pastor card. And he said, what are you guys doing? And I said, well, we're, we're actually, glad you asked, we're on a spiritual retreat. <laughs> and that dude read me the riot act. And he said, well, then you should know better, you moron. <laughs> and he wrote me a ticket for 350 bucks, which I made my friends pay. There. Look at what um, look at what Solomon writes in Proverbs. He says the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. David was writing, I think, one time in Psalm thirty nine. And David wrote this. He said, I'm going to watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. Your tongue can order and alter the direction of your life. Wow. Uh, Look at what James says in verses 5 and 6. He says, likewise... He says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider, he says, what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. For the tongue also is a fire in a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself, the tongue, set on fire by hell. Man. And here's what I think James is driving at. He's saying that our tongue can destroy what we have. It just can. And I got to tell you all, if there was ever a time, I think some of us need to hear this message. We need to hear it. Uh, Last year, many of you all know I've got a grandbaby. Granddaddy is a real thing now. (laughs) And and last year, when we were going to find out what kind of grandbaby we were going to have, uh, we invited all the family over, and, we, and, and Haley and Brand did a gender reveal. I want to show you a picture of it. There they are in my backyard after they had blown off all this stuff that I had to pick up. Do you just see all that <laughs> stuff there? And, um, and then here's another picture. Here's all the guys, and we were all locked in on it was going to be a boy, and we were right, okay? And, uh, but they did this gender reveal. Um, I want to show you a picture of a gender reveal that happened in 2020 in California. That's a real picture of a gender reveal. Um, Here's another picture of the same gender reveal. I kid you not. $42 million later, a firefighter lost his life in this fire. The El Dorado Park fire, September 2020, all started with a gender reveal. That's a picture of what James wants us to remember 
about our tongue. You let your tongue get away from you, and you can burn to the ground things that you hold dear. I want to offer a word here because I think we ha- I have to say this. We're not talking about uh, people who are in our lives who are willing to courageously tell us the truth. I'm not talking about those people. We all need those people. In fact, years ago, uh, I remember uh, the first time I actually heard it, I think, was at a Promise Keeper rally many, many years ago. And Howard Hendricks, a great man of God, said this. He said, all of us need people in our lives who love us, look at this, but who aren't impressed with us. And they're willing to tell us the truth about our lives. That has become a bit of a moniker for my life because I know my own compulsion. If I don't have people willing to tell me the truth, just, you know, how dumb I could be in a moment. And that's true of all of us. And so I'm not talking about, you know, somebody who would maybe tell us the truth about our lives, but I will tell you this. Um, our words can bring great destruction. Um, one of the things that I, I think about in a space like this, I don't think it's as popular as it used to be, thankfully. How many of y'all remember that old limerick? Sticks and stones, say it with me, sticks and stones, bones. But wouldn't you like to know the Nimrod who actually said that? Can, can I tell you the truth? I took a class in seminary completely dedicated to teaching me as an upcoming pastor how to work with people who have been the recipient of words that have left a destructive mark on their soul. Words matter. It's not uncommon for me to sit in a coffee shop around town and we have with somebody and we have this you know, this cordial conversation, and then there's always this moment where it opens up. And it's not uncommon to hear, well, and then she said this, or he said this, and I just can't get past it. And sometimes the real courageous people are the ones I sit with, and they said, in just a moment of anger, in a moment of fury, I just said what I shouldn't have said. And it's, it's caused great harm. James tells us we should be careful because our words and our tongue can destroy what we have. And then he ends with this. He says, our tongue ultimately displays who we are. Look at verses 10 through 12. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be. Can both fresh water, salt water flow in the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs or salt spring produce fresh water? What, what, what's he saying? More than anything else, our words and our tongue reveal who we are. Jesus, one time when he was responding, I think, to this very similar thing, Jesus wrote, 
in Luke, or Jesus said, and it's recorded in Luke, this. He said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Look at this. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So it turns out that when doctors tell us to stick our tongue out and say, ah, turns out pastors should probably do the same thing. Stick your tongue out and say, ah, right? I was thinking about what we need as a remedy. And I thought this is especially relevant because I want to say before we close, I don't think this is just a challenge for us. I say it's a double challenge. And in fact, I believe it's a triple challenge for us. And you know why? Because we are living in a day, we are living in a day where this is a word for our tongue and a word for our thumbs. Um, Sociologists tell us that when we traveled through the pandemic, we were afraid and angry and isolated and our thumbs became a weapon that are tearing at the fabric of our society. I think they're right. In fact, um, I watched across social media during that period of time, and it was bad. And in one particular moment, um, just as a preemptor, I want you to know how strongly I believe about this. I called all of our staff together, and I, I just said this, and we, had a, we have these things we do every quarter. We call them an all-staff, and we had the all-staff. I called them together, and I said, I want to say something to everybody that's on this team. I said, um, you have a choice. I said, you can post whatever you want to post whenever you want to post it. That's a choice. Or you could get a paycheck (laughs) that says Community of Hope on it. You can have one or the other. You can't have both. And this is a word for us. And I just want to say, you know, the words we say sometimes, right, most of them are live in the ether. I just want to remind everybody, that which you type with your thumbs is there forever. Paul um, offered a challenge I'm going to give to you, and then we're going to be done. He said this. He said, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building of others, to build them up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Um, I believe when you came in, you got a three-by-five card. Grab that card. Here's what I want you to do with that card. Um, I want you to write down on that card... So you'll remember the name of a person that I'm going to ask you to write them and bless them. It may be somebody you know that's going through a hard time that needs to hear a kind word. It might be somebody that you've said something you shouldn't have or they've said something to you 
they shouldn't have and you want to offer forgiveness or you want to say, let's try again. But what I want you to do is I want you to think of this because as Christ followers, this is the goal for all of us. And so um, I've asked the team to come out. They're going to sing a song that's a beautiful, beautiful song that communicates this moment. And then you decide who the Holy Spirit is asking you to talk to or to write. And then I'm going to offer a benediction and we'll be done. Let's pray. God, would you use this space and would you use this time in important ways right now? Would you give us the ability, Lord God, to um, be agents of your redemption in places where words spoken or words received have gotten the better of us? Help us in that space to move toward kindness and healing and hope. For we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said... So do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of your redemption. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice and be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God has forgiven you there it is and so Lord we pray that we would be the people who embody and who embrace this word. God, we need it in our lives. We need it in the circumference of every one of our relationships. We need it in our community. And oh God, we need it in our nation and in our world that we would be people of grace, seasoned, as it were, with the salt of your kindness. For this we pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. going to do something a little different as we close. I'm going to ask my friends who are here as our prayer team. They are going to be down front here, and if you're here today and you have had words said over you that left a mark, they would like to pray for you. If you've said words you know you shouldn't have said, and there's the stain of that somewhere, I pray that you'll come and let our team pray for you before you leave. And for the rest of us, go in his grace, and we'll see you next weekend.